0: started a new sermon series last week, Reset. What needs to be reset in our lives? We looked at Josiah's story and how that king, upon finding the Word as they're repairing the temple, uh, repents. There's, there's, a, there's a, a resetting in his life in terms of his love for the Word, his also his love for worship and what he does with the people of God and restarting Passover. There's a reset in his worship life. There's also a reset in how he lives, not just... Doing the right thing, but also turning from the wrong things, his life is reset, and because of that, god 's able to bless so many lives through that. How is it we in this season need to have a reset? How we need to hit the the reset button and the button we 're going to talk about this morning if there's any other button I could hit for you or hit for me, this is it. There are a lot of important buttons I, I pray we 're going to talk about in these weeks together, but this button would be the one, because the devil's going to fight you at every point on this button. He does me, and I'm assuming he does that for you as well. Not just the devil, but the people you love. Your family and your friends have needs, and they have plans. And most often, those are really good needs, and those are really good plans, and they will fight you at this point in your life. Plus, just this world, its requirements, whether it's work or or, or community involvement, serving whatever it may may be, you 're going to get pushback in this area in your life all the time, but if you miss this button, if we miss this, if we lose here, we 're going to lose in so many other things. How is it this morning? you and I need to look at jesus 's model to hear his wake up call literally to these disciples, and to say, Lord. What is it you want to do anew? What is it you want to do new in our prayer lives? How is it we need to hit that button and say, Lord, help us grow in that? And what I want us to do this morning, if you'll go back to Luke chapter 3, if you have your Bible or your Bible on your phone, we're just going to walk through and celebrate Jesus' life. We're going to walk through his prayer life and just see example, example. And the reason partly we're going to do it is because Luke's kind of obsessed with that. There's at least 16 plus occurrences of Jesus praying throughout the scriptures, but you get to Luke and you get a ton of them. He's giving you all kinds of, not just accounts of Jesus' prayers, but some details that I've missed along the way. Maybe these will be new to you as well, but he just shares story after story, reminder after reminder of Jesus' prayer life. So Luke 3, verse 21, when Jesus is baptized, listen, we all remember that moment, Jesus' is identifying with us. He doesn't need that baptism of repentance, but he's identifying us. We remember that. He's baptized. We remember that. John the Baptist is there. We remember that. The heavens open. We remember that. And remember, that's one of the occurrences where the Father speaks from heaven. This is my son. We remember that. What was Jesus doing when, when he was baptized? Does anybody remember? Praying. I would missed that read that account for years but Luke's account and listen when the scriptures were written they're not written with chapters and verses or even spacing it was hard for trans, translator Stephen get this right but I love this is Luke 3 321 3 2 1 boom <laughs> Jesus is praying and the heavens open the holy spirit descends and the father speaks Things that can happen, things do happen when we are at our prayers. Flip over to Luke 5, we'll go very quickly here. Luke 5, 16 is just another example, we're going to see this repeated, where Jesus retreats to pray. It's Luke who reports to us, he did this often. He did this all the time. We saw it in our scriptures today, when he's going to the mountain to pray. This is not the first time that he's been uh, to this mountain to pray. It was his custom to go here flipping over to Luke six twelve again we see a pattern we're going to see a whole lot in Jesus's life he gets alone so not only is he ret- he retreats and gets alone but we're reminded here in verse 12 he prays all night before he chooses the disciples we're going to see that pattern as well in Jesus's life flip over to Luke chapter 9 verse 18 Jesus, again, is praying in private, and the, and the Bible doesn't tell us this. I wonder, I wonder, this is me, I wonder if partly it's he's come from the 5,000. You can go to John to get more of the chaotic nature of that afterwards as well. We're not sure exactly when this happens, Luke to John. Or is it just that he spent after serving, after giving, you and I need to retreat and to be alone with God and to be filled with him. Or I wonder as well, as you see what he prays and what happens after here, do you remember where this is? Luke doesn't tell us. But we know this event because it's Peter's confession. Where does Peter's confession happen? In the region of Caesarea Philippi. And we've talked before, and if you haven't, if you haven't studied that, go study that. There's all kinds of temptation on that mountain. And like Jesus, is, we'll close with this today, like he's going to tell his disciples, part of the reason we pray is so we don't enter temptation. I'm taking these men up to this mountain where there's going to be all kinds of things that's going to fill their eyes. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to start this time and pray. Maybe it was to be filled. Maybe it was for their protection. But again, it's in private. And then going down a couple of verses to the transfiguration, Luke 9, 28 through 29. This is just like his baptism. This is another critical ministry in Jesus's ministry. It, it, his public ministry, if you go down to verse, you don't have to now, if you go down to verse 53, this is when Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. The Samaritans reject him because they understand that Jesus is now setting his face to Jerusalem. Now you and I know, that, and that's a major section in Luke's gospel, he's on his way to die. They don't understand that, but they know he's committed to go. And What that means is what you've basically got for the rest of Luke is Jesus getting to Jerusalem so that he could die on the cross for us. So where do, what do we find him doing at the transfiguration? You remember these stories. You know exactly what happened at the transfiguration. He takes some disciples with him. You remember his face becomes different. Uh, his clothing is white and it's gleaming. Then you remember this cloud forms. And again, it's just like the Father to come and speak a word. He speaks a word and he says to them, This is my son, listen to him. On top of that, you got Moses and Elijah. That's what I remember about this moment. Looking at verses 28 through 29, what else does Luke want us to make sure we see? What was Jesus doing? He's praying. Three, two, one, boom. Finding Jesus at his prayers and then the Father speaks it's just like it's just like that a great reminder for us to to be at our prayers and the father will show up and say the sweetest things let's skip over to luke chapter 11 again we find jesus praying alone in a place but apparently they've been watching him they've been listening to him and when he gets up they say would you teach us to pray like that And i'm not even covering everything jesus teaches about prayer Everything he preaches about prayer, and really, you don't have much more till you get to Holy Week. At this point, he set his face. Uh, they've brought up prayer he's, well, after he's prayed, but he pretty much just gets to Holy Week, and then and then we get to Luke chapter twenty-two, where we are. So if you'll if you'll skip over to there, Luke twenty-two. And you have a couple of things here about prayer. Number one you have, which is a beautiful picture, if you drop down to verse uh, 32, it's one of my scriptures that I missed for years, but it's a scripture I need, and maybe you need it today. Jesus tells Peter, you know, the devil's asked for permission to sift you like wheat. But I've been praying for you. That's a word I need. And it's not just a word I need, it's a word we have. That's Hebrews 7, right? Jesus Christ, our intercessor, ever lives to make intercessions for us. Whatever it was at work this week, whatever it was with your family this week, whatever burden you've been carrying for yourself or another person this week, whatever health concern it was this week, for many of us, whatever child you're releasing this week to go to college... Your name has been in the heart of Jesus Christ in prayers to his Father. He ever lives to do that. What a word to Peter at that moment. What a word to us that Jesus, these these prayers we're talking about are not just his public ministry. This is his life now and always to be praying for his people. And then we get to our Keep going down in Luke chapter 22, you've got Jesus giving thanks over the cup and the bread. I just mentioned that because I was under conviction. I had become a Christian early in high school. It was probably my junior year, senior year. I remember remember school assemblies. I don't remember what they did. I just remember we got out of class. So I love school assemblies, and they bring somebody in to try to teach us something. Or I remember one time at Witten, we just went to watch our band director bench press 500 pounds. It was awesome. We were out of class. I didn't care. Never wanted to get paddled by him, but after I saw that. But, but I remember one time, my junior senior year, they brought in somebody. I didn't know if he was there to support ROTC program, but he was military. But I remember him standing up in a school, public school. Saying a lot of you kids act like you're tough, and you claim to hold on to the name of Jesus Christ, but you're going to go to the lunch table later today, and you're not even going to say a prayer of thanks to God, because you don't want anybody to treat you weird, to look at you weird. And I want you to know from that day forward, I didn't pray. I prayed at home with my parents. From that day forward, for every meal, wherever I am, I pray. You know why? Because I'm a Christian? No. I don't want that guy to find me. I was terrified of that. He could still be around. So (laughs) I just love this picture of Jesus. Just gratitude. Just gratitude. Can you imagine what's on his mind when he holds up that bread and that cup? We're about to see it in just a minute when he's sweating blood thinking about that moment. About the cup he will drink. The sacrifice he will make. And yet, what what pours out of his heart, what pours out of his mouth? He gave thanks and gave them the cup. He gave thanks and broke the bread. It's a great, beautiful picture. Of our Savior's prayer life and of His heart. Then we get to our passage down in 41 through 46, and then there's one more passage of prayer in Luke. It's Luke 23, 46. I think we get three, maybe four, depends on how you count it, at least three prayers from the cross, and Luke counts uh, one of those as well. It's prayer after prayer after prayer. Now, what do we notice? It's just like Renee said for us this morning there is no pattern, strict pattern in Jesus' prayer life. Now one of our children disagreed with us this morning. I don't know if y'all heard it, but when she was trying to teach him, she said to him this morning, do you have to pray at night? Right over here somewhere, not naming names. And she was trying to have, help us say no. Do we have to pray at night? And somebody just trying to be compliant, yes. <laughs> do we have to pray this certain way? Yes. <laughs> So we need some teaching and learning on prayer. We can always grow on prayer. And you look at his life and it's not routine. And by the way, it's it's not routine with the healings either. He doesn't say the same thing after every healing. It's not programmatic. He's dynamic. He doesn't do the same things with healings. Maybe it's mud. Maybe it's go wash. Maybe somebody touches him. Maybe he touches somebody. Maybe he says, I don't even need to touch them. They're They're already healed over there. It's never never the same. And that's, that's the beauty and the variety that he offers to us as you watch his prayer life. Sometimes there's formal prayers, yes. It's his custom to be in the synagogue. It was his custom, Luke says, his practice to go to Passover and to, and to read those formal prayers. Those can be a great help to us, to hear Ben pray today for us and then lead us in that routine of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of confession on Communion Sundays. Formal prayers, that can be a great help, especially we're going through. And I, I, uh, Somebody we've read for our new member class would say it's, John Wesley would say, sadly, that, that can be the greatest cause of spiritual dryness in a believer's life, is, is, is emptiness in our prayer life. And so sometimes those formal prayers can help us. When we don't know how to pray, follow his model for prayer. I know in one season of my life, I just grabbed Martin Case, my former pastor, had written a prayer guide, and I've got it if you want to borrow it. Based on the Lord's Prayer. Teach us to pray. Well, here's the model. And I just used that for a year or two. Just following that model. But the importance of formal prayers, informal prayers, you see that in Jesus' life. Uh, Group time, alone time. And let's just look at these specifics as we close this morning. Go to verse 41 in our passage. He routinely, if you're going to do the math, Jesus routinely prays alone. He withdraws, and there's obviously certain reasons for that, from distraction, for the need to to be alone with God. But this, this is the typical pattern to get alone. Often it's in the morning, but you'll find him praying all night, so it's evening as well. But how is it? How is it you and I need to carve that out and maybe hit the reset button today because nobody will leave you alone? If you've got a cell phone, Nobody leaves you alone. Okay? It, it is hard to get a stone's throw away, as this scripture says. How is it you and I need to, to build in some buffers so that we can really have quiet time and alone time and get a stone's throw away? Typically and routinely, Jesus prays alone. But at verse 39, if you go back up to 39, he brings disciples with him. And there's many times in which he has group prayer. Usually it's alone, but oftentimes it's with the inner three or with the disciples. And, and, and a Wesleyan scholar has said, just speaking of John Wesley and his commitment to not just private prayer, but to group prayer. Here's what Wesley would, uh, he was commenting on John Wesley's practice And this scholar said, John Wesley joined with Christians often for prayer. Furthermore, Wesley believed that there were insights, experiences, and blessings attainable in a group that do not occur when one is alone. We're going to miss something if we're not praying together in our Sunday school class. We're going to miss something if we don't have an accountability partner that we can pray with. We're going to miss something if we're not praying in our small groups. And listen, I know it's tough to, to pray in, in a group. In some ways, sometimes I feel more pressure up here p- praying than preaching. If I were to say to you, what would you rather do, pray or preach right now? If I honestly asked you, some of you would rather get, rather get up here and preach than have to pray in front. It can be awkward. I, when I was at McGee, my first time to pastor, I got invited to a preacher prayer group and I just went not knowing any better. First Baptist wasn't there. First president wasn't there. First Episcopal wasn't there. It was all the non-denom groups, and I mean it was a minimum hour, hour and a half of tongue-speaking prayer. And I had to come back because I was like, I'm not going to chicken out of this, so I'd come back. And it was an hour to two hour, a concert of prayer. It was a blessing to me. Didn't understand half of it. <laughs> it was a deep blessing to be with those those fellow believers And to just pray. That could be an awkward thing to ask, I know. Uh, But there's some things that will happen in our lives that God can only do corporately that maybe we're not hearing when we get alone. Maybe it's a word of correction, but so often it's a word of encouragement we need. We're not going to get it alone, and we need somebody else. Just three quick things as we close. Verse 41. You know this position of prayer. Now, Jesus, you go to John 11 and elsewhere, Jesus, Jesus often stands to pray. So again, we can pray anytime. So often in worship and prayer in the scriptures, I even heard a preacher say most of the time when you hear somebody praying, they're on their face. They're just on their face. Here we have Jesus kneeling, and it reminds me, and I've said this once before, but I love uh, uh, Felix Sutton who filled in for a church where I was serving, my first church to serve He filled in. I just, I'll never forget it. And some of us, Mark, we've talked about it. When you feel your knees buckle, let them. When life and weight is on your shoulders and your knees begin to buckle, let them. And fall to your knees in prayer and the Father will embrace you and be with you. What you see here is a a beautiful reverence. Yes, he is the second person of the Holy Trinity. But I wonder if, too, just the weight of this moment, he's got to get, he's prayed, standing up on his knees before god with his his real struggle and you see that here but i missed i don't want to miss jesus praying at the transfiguration i missed jesus praying in his baptism but did you notice what else happened in verse 33 when jesus is praying here i remember the blood part and i remember the cup part and i remember them falling asleep part An angel was there, and he was strengthening Jesus. This is just like God. To show up at his baptism, because you know what happens right after the baptism? It's the devil in the wilderness. To show up at the transfiguration, because as we said this morning, right after the transfiguration, he begins the road to Jerusalem. It's just like the father to show up and say the words of encouragement that Jesus needs. But it's just like God to show up after the, after the wilderness temptation. Send him angels and strengthen my son. And right here, as he's looking down, now the decision was already made before eternity, the, uh, before the foundations of the world. The decision, in a very real sense, was made in the wilderness. But here, as the cup is facing him, it's just like God to send the angel and to strengthen his son. I, I don't. I wonder what happened, and I'm wondering: did he just weep with those who weep? Did he just weep with Jesus. The ministry that so many of you offer to each other, just weeping with somebody who's struggling. Uh, did he? Did he? Did he remind Jesus? Do you remember when your father said, "You're his son"? Do you remember that? Do you remember who you are? One of the great ministries you and I will have with our children and with our friends and fellow believers is just from time to time when they're struggling, just remind them whose they are, and who they are. Maybe, maybe just the angel prayed, just came alongside Jesus. And pray. But it's just like God, to, when you and I go through it, to give us what we need. Uh, I've shared this story five years ago, but I'll share it very briefly with you as we conclude this morning. But um, Sarah's cousin uh, was kind of running from the Lord in, in college and uh, just driving down the street one day. And, and felt the Lord just kind of saying, turn right, turn left. It's one of those, many of us have had those experiences where you're just trying to be led by the Spirit, and she ends up at a cemetery. Here's this kid running from God in college. Why would you lead me here? What's up with this? Three, two, one, boom. She said, the Holy Spirit dropped on me that day like he never had before or since, and I just had the peace of God, the fullness of God. Why here? Why here? She would later graduate from college, come back to the Lord, get married, get pregnant. And sadly, at the end of that pregnancy, uh, she lost the child, had to deliver the child, uh, but her child had died. And she would be back at that very same place to, to bury her child. I'm letting you know, right in this place, I'm with you. Before you go through it, I'm here with you. So when those moments come... You know I'm with you. This is a spiritual fight for Jesus. I, I, I look at the angel and I think encouragement, but then as I pray through that and think through that, this reminds me prayer is a spiritual fight, and God's fighting for us, and we need to join him in prayer and get in the fight with him so that others will know of Christ, that we'll be strengthened for the battle. I think as we clo- that, that closing part, too, if you look at the bookends of this passage, what does Jesus say to them? Pray, why? So you won't be tempted. We pray to get in the fight. We pray so we can be pure, but also get in the fight so temptation will come so you can be who you ought to be. What a word that Jesus is going to be there for us. God is is speaking, sending an angel just when Jesus needs it. He's been to that mountain before, but here he sends an angel at his point of need. But also this reminder, pray lest you fall into temptation. This is actually Jesus' last sermon to his disciples. This is it. The last thing he's really going to say before he dies, his last sermon before his death is pray. Pray lest you fall into temptation. What, what do you see here? How do you need to hit the reset button? Maybe it's I need to guard time better and to really just communicate that to my family and to my friends. Uh, maybe I need to be bold and just step out of my comfort zone and say, you know what, I'm going to get with another believer and we're going to become prayer partners. We're gonna, or maybe I'm going to prayer journal. Or maybe, Barry, Ben, give me some books. I just need to grow in my uh, prayer life. Maybe, maybe I need to be a part of one of our prayer ministries at church and talk to, to, to Reverend Rickman. Whatever that may be, John Wesley said, prayer is the grand means of staying close to God. Here we also see Jesus saying to his disciples, you pray so you don't walk away from God. How is it you and I need to respond to this, his word? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for what we see here in your son Jesus. On that night as he is surrendering to your will, Father, we're grateful for his yes because that it means everything for us and for our salvation, but we're also thankful for what we see there about his life with you, his commitment to prayer, Father, the, your blessing of him in prayer. And so we just pray that your Holy Spirit would come, that you would now and over this week, would you just point to us those places where we need to hit the reset button in our prayer life. We thank you for that great privilege. Uh, we thank you for that wonderful gift. But Father, if there are ways in which we need to to grow, would you help us? Would you help us? And we'll give you the praise for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.